You're listening to Pod of Wonder, the podcast that builds a world using random Wikipedia articles and then plays a game in that world. This season, it's divine felines and canines, a pantheon where every god is either a cat or a dog, metaphorically speaking. Let's let's wrap up. <laughs> yes, 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 let's wrap this up. So we got our game. We got our screams. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Susu, hi. I do not go into the garbage. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. Mike and I at least discussed after the last game in the Discord is that maybe we could do a little bit of world building stuff about what the apocalypse that is going to happen actually looks like. Okay. Probably just the, the easy, simple way to do that is just everybody like offers one detail about about what is happening. Mm. You know, it, it can be anything like, oh, the the old big gods finally break through or the the underground sinks into an even deeper underground or whatever. Just four little things to, to give people to go off of once they have all their fates. The uh, whole world rolls up like a burrito. Suddenly, like, the uh, cave opens up and there's a crescendo of music and everybody looks around, suddenly realizes that the play is over and starts taking bows. Ooh. No, that's terrible. Is it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll rethink. Hmm. I'm gonna say that it starts to rain underground. Not just like condensation, stalactite dripping, but like full on weather. Hmm. Oh, I want to kind of take, add to that. Like the rain gets weird. Like it happens multiple times and it gets really weird. Sometimes it's just bits of calcium raining down, like hard bits. Ooh, chunky rain. Yeah, chunky rain. Sometimes it's like salt raining down. It's like very weird. The Antichrist uh, is introduced on stage left. Is this sort of a, a a metaphorical Antichrist, or have we had a Christ at some point in history, and this is against that? Well, that's, I didn't know what the word should be, the Antichrist. Um, it just, I guess I, I mean the... Um, Suddenly, the bringer of end times uh, is introduced into the world. Who is it? Is it a delivery person? Are the end times delivered, like, in a box? That's what I'm wondering, yeah. Oh, from the overworld, probably, yeah. Um, Probably the big gods. uh, It was stuck in the mailroom for a while. Uh, Somebody forgot to sign off on it. Postage wasn't verified. You know, it's been... They've been sending the bringer of end times for eons now. 
uh, down to to the underworld or or to our world to uh, to cease the complications that are arising. Uh, and uh, suddenly the the delivery actually makes it, and someone yet to be named finds for it. Oh, I also want to add that um, in the in the wake of the um, apocalypse, like this, all, all the squirrels in the world form a um, dedicated um, united government for themselves. Ooh, are they sure? Um, and are completely not even uh, factored into anything for anybody else in the world, but they're, they they um, have these weird secret underground cities um, made of nutshells. What sort of system of government did they choose? It's a really complicated government. You know, it, you could say it's a tough nut to crack. Oh! oh you might describe <laughs> it as... You need to know Squirrel um, yeah, yeah, yeah. to <laughs> understand it. It's completely separate from all like human concepts of... <laughs> Well, they they would have been planting that nut for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, anything that gets dropped just gets devoured up by the ground. Like a hole will open up and it, it goes down, closes up, thing is gone. So like maybe litter destroys the so you throw your soda can down and suddenly oh now <laughs> oh now that's your problem. What counts as dropping is uh, standing, is like moving one foot and then putting it back on the ground. Does that count as dropping? What if you fall down? Mm. Is there like a size constraint? Uh, I think it has to be accidental. So stepping mm. wouldn't work. Falling might work. What if you drop a feet? Uh, it depends which kind, I guess. Yeah. Can, <laughs> can you dance to it? <laughs> so the the ground itself is aware enough that it understands intentionality. Maybe not the ground, but whatever whatever is, is, whatever is, is causing there. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like, that's the end times. Maybe it don't gotta make sense. Mm. Uh, if there's no one actively looking at it, the atmosphere coalesces into small cubes, it like compresses into small cubes and clatters. Is that how we get the calciums? Uh, yeah. And I guess depending on if uh, these cubes fall to the ground, perhaps they're eaten by the ground. Oh, yeah. What if they decide to fall upwards? Um, I guess that would make the ground puke, probably? Gross. Yeah. Um, anyone who runs a stylus along the, uh, lines in their hand will hear, uh, an actual recording out of them. Mm. What's it of? It's supposedly the story of how you're going to die, but it's really, really sarcastic, and probably not about you. Mm. I guess there's no way to know until you actually do die, and then no one can really confirm it. They start making uh, records out of like, uh, out of your hand skin. Well, (laughs) I guess if you line everybody's hands up one next to each other, you could probably get a full recording of what everything is going to happen. So other people can hear it, though. It's not... Oh, it's not you. secret to you. I mean, you would attach a stylus to, like, uh, one of those little 
paper horns that you make that you attach to like a little needle or something. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the preferred way for some people to record the the death of a loved one is through their like keeping their hand around. Like this is my my great aunt Cheryl. Let me put her hand on the record and and it'll tell you how she died. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if I stay static in that case. Alright, end times. Yeah. <laughs> end times. So that was just kind of like uh, shooting the shit, right? Is all of that that I'm not going to remember uh, canon? <laughs> I think it is canon. Um, so oh, yeah. the world r- rolls up like a burrito and there's underground rain, uh, some of which is chunky and made out of salt and calcium. There's uh, the end times, which were meant to be delivered in a box quite some time ago, but it got delayed um, and is now uh, finally on its way to uh, get the signature of the Antichrist. Um, Meanwhile, while that's all going on, there's a self-government of squirrels. They haven't really defined in any way that we understand um, what their government is like. And if they drop nuts or if anybody drops anything, uh, the ground potentially eats it, but the ground is aware of whether it was intentionally dropped or whether it just sort of was a footfall or something like that. Where the air turns into thick cubes when no one's looking at it, and the hands of everyone uh, has a recording in the grooves thereof, is how the end times work. Yeah. Sure. All that. Now we're... Entering an extremely visual part of this podcast. (laughs) So we'll have to describe what is happening for our listener. But yeah, we're going to lay out some fates. And we're going to bid on fates with our tokens. Yeah, I've got nine tokens. Maria has seven. Mike has eight. And Morgan has 12. And each of us was given a fate at the beginning of the game. And Mm -hmm. now... Uh, we're going to set out four more fates, and we're going to take turns bidding on them. You can put however many tokens you want on a certain fate that you want. No more than uh, five, I believe I set them as. Uh, and we bid one at a time, or we can throw them all out all at once on our turn? Uh, on your turn. You can say, all right, I'm going to put you know three on this one, two on this one, one on this one. That's my turn. So by the time we get to the the last bidder, though, they're going to know what they can and can't win. Oh, it, it's not necessarily can or can't. How the deciding the fates works is you're going to draw cards equal to the number of tokens you put down, and the highest card wins. So you might get lucky with one card. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Our first four fates are bones, leaving this universe entirely. The dream lives on. And betrayed. Yeah, each of us is going to take turns putting tokens down on which of these fates we are interested in having for one of our gods. Mm. So if you, you really want one of them, you know, dump a bunch of tokens on it. After each of the bidding, you will have three fate cards, and you'll assign one fate card to your gods. Okay. And what was the multiple card pulling bit? 
if, if more than one person has bid on a fate, you decide who gets it by drawing cards equal to the number of tokens that you put down. And highest card wins. Oh, okay. So, and we just start now as everybody, or, or oh wait, do we do we go one at a time? I I would say yeah. I mean, when you're playing the game, go one at a time. But I mean, this is a podcast; it's going to be a lot of silently putting down tokens. So let's all go at once, and then we all say which ones we we picked. Yeah, it'll just free for all. It and uh, yeah, once we decide who gets what, we'll uh, yeah read out the the totals. Yeah. I should save some tokens for the next round, right? Uh, yeah, there, there's going to be a second <laughs> round of this. All right, so let's go down one at a time, say what fates we bid on and how many tokens we put. Cool. Uh, I put two tokens down on The Dream Lives On and two tokens on Betrayed. I put two tokens on Leave This Universe Entirely. And uh, one token on The Dream Lives On, and one token on Betrayed. I put two on Bones, and one on The Dream Lives On. And I put three on Betrayed, and nothing else. So this uh, can resolve in a number of different ways. Um, We start by dealing with the cards that only one player has bid on. So, Mike, you can just take the Bones fate, or you can try to draw and win the Dream Lives On against two other players. Um, but I can't do both. Uh, you can't do both. However, if you, if, if you lose the bid, you do still get Bones. Okay, I guess I'll go for Dream Lives On then. Okay. Uh, so what do I do? You don't get bones if you do win Dream Lives On. Correct. Well, never mind. I just want bones then. Right. Okay, so you take bones. Bones! Right. And I lose those tokens forever, yeah? Yeah, those tokens, yeah. And you, the token you put on the Dream Lives On goes away. Okay. Yeah, you only get one fate per round. Okay, gotcha. So, Maria, same situation. You can take Leave This Universe entirely? Yep, that's what I want. Okay, so take your tokens off of the other cards. Okay, so I I can choose to take the dream lives on, or I can draw off betrayed. And I'm gonna I'm gonna draw off with Morgan for betrayed. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Drag out three cards. On account of right. three, we we'll, flip? We flip? yeah, we'll click on them and flip, <laughs> and the highest card wins. Daggeth. Well, what's higher, King or Ace? Um, this is why we play test. I did not address whether aces are high <laughs> or low in the book. <laughs> I I posit um, that since Ace is technically one, uh, that it it should count as one, and that is higher than King. Yeah, it works for me. Great. Okay. So, so, would it have been to my benefit to not take Bones, just in terms of? Token wise, I mean, in terms of benefit, it's you know how badly you wanted one of the other fates. Mm. Yeah, I would advise like um, if you put down one, if somebody else puts down a token, you can you should put down another. But like, if you're interested in conserving token, which you should not be. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense as well. But in the off chance that a user might, um, you know, want to conserve tokens because for some reason they got like zero tokens, they mm-hmm. might. And like, if they don't really care that much, but like, you know, just use one. And then yeah. if other people challenge you, then use more. Uh, yeah. What happens if we get through this entire deck on challenges? In that case, I, I think you'd reshuffle the drawn cards. But mm. I, uh, I don't think that is likely to occur. I think there's more cards available in the raw tokens. Let's go. Next round, baby. Our four fates are the people's champion. Enter the time cocoon. A noble sacrifice and hunger. Mm. So I've got two tokens on the people's champion and one token on all the other three. One on a noble sacrifice and two tokens on hunger. One token on the people's champion, one on time cocoon, one on noble sacrifice, and two on hunger. And I've got two on the people's champion, four on enter the time cocoon, two on noble sacrifice. And one on hunger. So there's not currently uh, a fate that only has one person's token on it. So we're going to start with a draw for the people's champion. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to draw two cards. Mike, you're going to draw one. And Morgan, you're going to draw two. Cool. Three, two, two one. one. Reveal your cards. Boop. Eight, 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 nine. Morgan's got it with nine. Oh, wow. Truly a bittersweet victory. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if I was just doing this for funsies and I didn't actually want it? Do I still get it? Then you probably shouldn't have been on it. That's <laughs> but, true. But I, I guess... <laughs> Look, I was, I was doing this to fuck around. I did not expect to find out. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, Can I forfeit my my um, bittersweet victory? The yeah, the the second highest was Mike. Then so <laughs> you're the people's champion. You're the yeah. people's champion. Yay! <laughs> Other tokens go back. I'm gonna get rid of my noble sacrifice tokens because I don't really care about it. I could go either way with hunger or time cooking. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I was on... Oh, I'm going to get rid of my Noble Sacrifice, too. And also... <laughs> I, That's I just wanted to play with draw cards. <laughs> um, for the listeners at home, there is a shuffling of bids uh-huh. right now. <laughs> yeah. I have removed my bid from a Noble Sacrifice. Okay. And re- reinforced my bid on Hunger. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Oh, I was on... Yeah, so... Well, I was... What I, I had to hear, right? Uh, you you already took the the people's champion. You don't your other tokens <laughs> go away. Well, but okay, fine. I mean, you can participate <laughs> in the draw, but it's not going to get you anything. Yeah, I want to do that. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll just <laughs> let you have fun and edit out your draws for the <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, due to some token shuffling, I I am the only person who bid on a noble sacrifice and yes. I'm just I'm just gonna take a noble sacrifice. Okay. And yeah. I'll take my tokens off of the other face. Okay, so technically then I'm the only one who bid on Time Cocoon. <laughs> yes. So I, well, I still it, bid on it. 
Yes, but it's you can't since you got the other one, you can't like yeah. it's not a contest contest, so we can't. Yeah. So but, we're done. You can you can still draw to see if you would have Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Okay. Cool. I am going to just take it now so I don't forget. Yeah, so I'm gonna draw we just take my... it. Wait, what are what? Okay. We're just we're just having fun with drawing cards. Yeah. Okay. We're, just, we're just goofing. Yes, we are we're doing the goofs. Yeah, you draw your one card, Mike. Oh, I I I've I've abandoned my my <laughs> Yay, so Maria, you you can just take hunger unless you'd also like to draw. I mean I can. Okay, here. Look, how many did I put on that too? Yeah, it's it's three, three. I got three too. Oh, oh sorry, Maria. I stole yours. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so you have three fate cards and three gods. Coincidence? I think not. Yeah. So uh, before we get on to this next part, Danny, yo, um, I have a uh, private fate card that I think you might be interested in. It really wouldn't bother your head at all to take this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. You feel like trading? Hmm. I mean, if you, if you were to think back on it, it would not be a bad trade for you. I see. I've already started forming stories in my head with the fates that I have. So, yeah, but I mean, the fate that if you were to take this fate, you wouldn't have to worry about that story at all that you had in mind. I that feels more like a problem than a solution. Uh, <laughs> if there were a problem in retrospect, there wouldn't be a problem anymore if you were to take this card. <laughs> You just want to trade a, a random card for a random card? No, no, no. I've, I thought the deal was that we could try to make trades with our private card and somebody else's private card. I mean, I have a private card, too, but I don't, I'm not attached to it in any way. Okay, well, you would be even less attached to this one if you were to take this. Oh, are you mm. sure? Yeah. yeah. What if you liked it? You don't know. No, I do know. <laughs> I would say that you don't know, mm. and that that's probably a good thing. I mean, my private card matches my god pretty well. But, you know, I don't know. Is it a better story if it, might, if it doesn't? Yeah, I mean, it would be a better story because it wouldn't, and that would be better. Yeah. Is it, are you sure? Does yours say, like, tea kettle or something horrible? <laughs> no, it, it does not say tea kettle, nor does it say something horrible. Wow, Maria really coming out hard against tea kettles here. <laughs> <laughs> Did not expect that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll trade cards with you. Okay. However, if I get mm-hmm. stuck in my story, you have to help and you can't use any puns. <gasps> what? Yeah. Yeah. Those are my. Those no, are my okay. Things. I If you get stuck, I can't say tea kettle and that's all, is what you said. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Deal. Deal. No. Saying you can't use puns. To help out my story, you have to... Is there any ever been a time that I haven't used a pun to help out your story? Like, in your life? <laughs> Alright, you, you want to do this trade? Just because it'll make it interesting. Alright, alright, <laughs> okay. So, here you go. Ready? It better be not horrible. Okay. Oh, wow, that was a terrible trade! Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, it would have fit my character just fine. Oh, that other one would have fit my character just fine. Yeah, well, why did you do that then? Oh. 
I don't know what we to do. We gotta test now. the mechanic. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Wait, can we take a short break while I yeah. decide if I'm gonna switch things? That's really a good idea. Yeah, take a take a short break. Think uh think of some stories for your for all your all your cards you got. Oh, I think I am gonna switch them around. Mm. Oh, I think I'm definitely and I think I'm actually very happy about it. <laughs> Michael, you could suck it. Meow. So three fates, three gods. Lyanna, like we did before, do uh one story at a time, and then I genuinely did not write what happens at the end of the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, it, if, if it feels like something should go there, then maybe we'll come up with it. Otherwise, uh, the game is over once we've all finished our stories. Okay. Okay, so... some stories. Hmm. That would have been a good use of my break, actually. Is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Coming up with same here. I know what fate is going with which god. I just didn't bother to work out the specific details of what happened. I wrote down all three of mine so I can go first. They're oh, quite great. terrible. So the first combination here is uh, that of Cake Train and Cake Train. neither Cake Train and neither Heaven nor Hell. Mm. So um, this would be a probably a better combination with a different god, but it turns out that this is what a train is doing at the end. Um, so as you will know, a train, as it moves, will typically go choo-choo, and that's what's happening here. So everything above and everything below is being subsumed into one final, one sort of squishy puree as Cake Train moves forward through everything and chew choose it into one flat sort of pancake of neither good nor bad qualities uh mm. until there's just a flatness of uh everything all mixed together and nothing really being anything at all behind the train as it endlessly chews chews through the world nice. okay i did manage to think of something so for Fawcett, I'm giving the fate the dream lives on. Even though the the age of humans is coming to an end and all of the, the gods that they have made are, are collapsing and, you know, going off the rails, so to speak, uh, a new civilization is rising in the form of the, the squirrel government. And and as that squirrel government begins to, to grow and, and take shape, a tiny little squirrel-sized bookstore is going to open up one day. And it's going to, uh-huh. con- it's going to contain some tiny little zines and tiny little literatures to, to open the, the complacent minds of the eventually oppressed squirrels and encourage them to throw off the authoritarian squirrel government that will one day arise. And so Fawcett's dream will live on. I've got one. Um, so this involves the irritator who has been betrayed! Um, <gasps> oh. So, I mean, look, as any uh, hot-headed, passive-aggressive, annoying, and self-centered teenager might be, 
you know, they made the wrong, like, snubs the wrong gods and ended up, you know, dealing some shady shit. And then, like, in the in the apocalypse, the, in the in the in the end times, uh, you know, they thought they were going to be all good. They had, you know, friends and then they were betrayed because, you know what, being passive aggressive might feel fun in the moment. But in the end, you're not building up any loyal friends. So, boom. Betrayed. Then I guess that leaves my turn. Uh, yep. I'll play Angelique. And I will play the fate. Leave this universe entirely. Hmm. It's late at night. Angelique is sitting at her desk. Lights are low. That little green uh, desk lamp is lit. She's looking over. Uh, all of the the cases set before her, and she gets notification on a, a tiny a tiny red phone that's at the edge of her desk. It's very small. You would think it would be for a dollhouse. And the leader of the squirrels says, <laughs> "Oh, you've signed for it. The package. It's now." Angelique uh, walks to uh, the. Uh, the coat rack in the corner and takes up her mantle uh, for God of Time. Calls over Captain and says, it's time for us to leave. Uh, this world is about to end and we we need to move on to to newer and greater cases. Take my hand and they blink out of existence. <laughs> Moving on to to a new and brighter territory where there are more cases, more intrigue, uh, and uh, a view into the future. And that's, uh, and that's Angelique's exit from the world. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Meanwhile, Siv is admiring this calcium rain and noticing that it can be formed into other things as it falls. It can be combined into skulls and finger bones and larger skeletons of even larger things. And as the rain continues, these various bleached piles are forming into these different shapes. And whenever they touch a living thing. They bond with it and leach out any calcium that might be holding those things together. So slowly these skeletons form everywhere and all the time. And each skeleton touching the skeleton of a living thing pulls that as well into its endless pile. So slowly all living things collapse into goo and the entirety of everything is just an endless Onward kingdom of bones. Mmm. Mmm. Bones. 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 Mm. We just go, or do we have. Yeah, just go. Just go. Right, my next god is Ikaro, the god of rescuing people, a god from the overworld who has come here. With, with a task force of exactly 100, uh, no more, no less, 
they are the denizens of the overworld set here to to bring them back into the fold. As the fields of underground fungus start to rot, Ikro and his followers find it harder and harder to locate individuals who they can rescue and bring back to the overworld or settle comfortably in the underworld. And as his followers drop away one by one, whether it be from death who are not replaced or it be from a new uh, allegiance to the end times, Ikro finds his influence fading Fading down to 98, 67, 54, 43. He can't find people to fill these roles anymore. He walks and he walks through these passageways. He speaks the word. He proselytizes. No longer is anyone interested in seeking service to Ikaro. And as it drops lower and lower, 28. 16, 12, 9, 2. He begins to forget because a God is only as powerful as those who praise them. A God is only as powerful as those who speak their name. And Ikaro finds themselves walking in forgetness through the passageways of the underground seeking he knows not what anymore for eternity. And that is the end of Ikaro. The Weekender, against all odds, is going to make a noble sacrifice. As mortal society begins to, to fall into chaos and confusion, as rain and mineral rain begins to fall from the the caverns above for the first time people are are upset and confused and they look to their many specific gods for for answers and for salvation but salvation is the domain of large and powerful gods these smaller things while still divine are not capable of solving this many problems in such great magnitude all happening at once. Gods taking physical form are chased through the streets, and and part of, of one of those mobs is is the weak ender, and the, the gods that they are traveling with uh, come to a crossroads. Uh, one leads to a, a passage further into the caves where they might find safety, and the other leads to uh, a dead end, uh, a trapped tunnel that is uh, sure to collapse. And, and the Weekender stands at the, the intersection of these two tunnels and, and says, Go, gods, go down that tunnel to safety. And the, the gods are, are rightly concerned uh, Weekender, being a trickster god, may well be trying to to trap them in order to save itself. But no, the the Weekender is, for once in their mischievous life, doing something selfless, uh, making a, a sacrifice so that the other gods might survive. 
And so as the, the mob catches up to the crowd of gods, they see only the weekender standing there. He tips a jaunty hat to, and says, Come, mortals, the rest of the gods have gone this way, and leads them down the tunnel and collapses it with all the mortals and the weekender inside, granting a, a bit of safety to, to fellow divine beings, but trapping himself inside with a, a crowd of angry mortals. Just the humans or, or also the gods? Just the humans. It is a, a noble sacrifice. All, all the humans perish. It is noble from a, a godly standpoint more than a human one. No, okay. And, and that is the last that anyone ever sees of the Weekender, but sometimes, maybe two out of seven days a week, you can hear a, a jaunty whistling tune and see a mark in purple crayon on the side of a building. <laughs> I'm gonna go now. Right. I think I'm gonna do a story about when Tolga enters the time cocoon. So, you know, we all know about Tolga. Tolga was doing real well leading up to the end times because, like, gossip just increases so much when that kind of stuff's happening. Like, everyone's being like, oh, did you hear this? And did you hear that? And so Tolga, like, really thrived. But then end times started getting closer and closer and it started getting more certain and more certain. And, you know... That doesn't work for Tolga because Tolga is all about uncertainty. So like certainty and certain doom, really bad. And ironically would be certain doom for them. And so spun out of the ground, just a swirling, twirling spiral of psychedelic mushrooms and dust. And it became this immense, sparkling, shifting, weird spiral of light. It was a time cocoon. Um, so they really needed to embrace pure uncertainty in this moment of true certainty. And what's more uncertain than a time cocoon where, you know, you're just going to get bat out somewhere, but you don't know when. So it's it's really true uncertainty. And that's how um, that's how Tolga went out in the end. Um, or, or did they? Who knows? Very uncertain. Bum, bum, bum. Meanwhile, Feathersticks thunders into existence, hoping to be the guardian of all of the rest of civilization that was still there and forestall any doom that might happen to them. And as Feathersticks thunders sort of weakly into the world, notices that there are no more humans. Ikro noticed that everyone was vanishing and the Weekender collapsed so many of them into a tunnel and... So many of them were turned into bones, and Featherstick realizes that the way that he, that Featherstick was hoping to protect and champion for the rest of humanity, there's really no one left, and sees only collections and burgeoning bits of uh, squirrel civilization, and turns their fiery attention to this new civilization that's left. And as fiery as it can be toward the only living things, these squirrels, sees that Fawcett is there as well. Fawcett supporting them on one side, but not really in the fiery championship glory that they should be. And so, as the people's champion, 
locks endlessly and forever until they are both destroyed itself and faucet. An endless spiral of conflagration and conflict that destroys them both. So my last story is about Issa. Issa, it preserves the balance underground. Issa woke up one day and could no longer hear Ikro calling. Ikro had called every day, early, early in the day, no matter what time of day. Ikro had things that needed to be cared for, people that needed to be put into their documents of preservation. Less and less, Issa started to hear from Ikro. Until one day, Issa heard no more. And because Issa is a good employee, uh, she started to contact the other gods, find out what may have happened, what was going on, uh, saw that there was an unexpected... No, it had been expected, but it had been put off many times. There had been a delivery to the underworld that the squirrel people had finally signed for. And these were now going to be the end times. With Ikro not responding, she turns to Featherstick. Featherstick does not respond. No more humans? Dial, dial again. Is there even one left? Dial, dial. No response. She starts following the path of the human exodus from this world and finds the squirrel people who now will enter this world. She sits down for a full day and a half right there at the edge of the rockfall that sealed off all of the humans and draws upon herself all of the power that she has within her and reaches out to the squirrel people. I, I'm here to facilitate the ease of balancing what is above and what is below. Uh, would you offer me an appointment, a, a, an audience with your, with your leader? And that is how Issa chittered at the squirrel people to make a new world. For herself. The squeak shall inherit the earth. Hmm. That's what I hear. That wasn't a, a helpful pun, but you didn't need help with your story, so that is allowed. <laughs> okay. I can go next. So I've got the booch. The booch is going to be rediscovered centuries later. Now, the booch can be called uh, a lot of things, uh, sometimes contradictory things, but the, the booch has always had an eye towards the future and longevity, and the booch can see that stuff's going to get real bad for a while. So what he does is distills all of that good divine essence and transforms his body into just the densest, most impact-resistant glass bottle, and stuffs his divine essence inside of it in the form of a, a fizzy fermented tea beverage. 
hundreds of years from now when even the the squirrel civilization has has given way towards something new a creature will, will one day stumble upon this bottle buried deep underground and see a, a sparkling bubbly beverage inside and twist open the the top of it and out will pop the booch divine essence uh, preserved and more tasty and powerful with age and then the era of the booch will begin this is going to be about pitogi and how she left her mark on the physical world so you know this is the end times and that dance that she taught everyone is really coming in handy so there's like literally she's this is just going to be real short, but like she's literally left her mark on the physical world because there's all these different footprints and patterns and shapes all over the ground in all of the world and all of the surfaces, like these beautiful looping and twisting patterns and shapes of like protection and everyone who followed them um, has ended up in a more wonderful dimension than they started. And she has become this dance and become these footprints and patterns. Um, yeah. So I guess that's it. Yeah. Pot of wonder. Yeah. Pot of wonder. End of one world. Start of a new one. With squirrels, apparently. <laughs> and the old god shut the door on the world that once was. The world of the production cats and they looked to a new world that was more about the production of acorns. They saw in those shining eyes, those tiny noses, a certain beauty, a certain assurance. And now they felt again at peace. And somewhere in the skies above, or maybe in another dimension, or maybe both a cat and a dog play and nap and eat and wait for their owner to come home. Woo! 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 Yeah, does anything need to happen after this, game-wise? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. so. I think we just collaborated in, you know, making the apocalypse happen, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a pretty good accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has been Pod of Wonder. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod of Wonder. And you can buy some t-shirts and stickers and stuff at society6.com slash pod of wonder. Danny can be found on Twitter at DannyPlaysRPGs, and you can find the games Danny makes at DannyMakesRPGs.itch.io. Morgan can be found on Twitter at MorganTheFay, Faye spelled F-A-E, because I know there's like eight different ways to spell Faye. Mike and Maria aren't on social media, like any good unfathomable cosmic being. Our opening theme is Opening by Komiku. Our closing theme is Music is Divine Inspiration by Johan Vandegrift. See you next time, Wanderers. Wanderers.